is there any topic that really is contentious? Pick one. Race, caste, color, creed, even class. Some conversations hardly end up in polite conversation. These are some of those, right? A conversation could go south very quickly if you delve into any of these topics. The beauty of something like this, you know, a podcast, is that you do not know who I am or where I am. All you know is that I am some random chap on the internet. You don't know my skin pigmentation, or just as importantly, if I've spent an extra 30 or 60 seconds in an oven, or or if I'm a coconut, you know, coconut, white on the inside, brown on the outside. You don't even know if I have a pot belly due to toxic combination of years of drinking beer and downright laziness, or if I'm balding. The pot belly, I can confirm. The balding, I can neither confirm nor deny. Anyway, the anonymity of the internet and your and my separation allows me to give you a fairly open and frank perspective on some hot potato topics. If you're easily offended, then there is always the easy option to skip the episode. Now, if, however, you're open-minded and okay to discuss topics that you'd otherwise not have with your pet pigeon, let alone your great-great-great-great-grandmother, then listen on. The focus of this episode will be on race and skin pigmentation. First, what is what? Because there are topics out there like creed, caste, class. They're all sometimes lumped in with race, so I want to strip them out, and the best way to explain why and what they are is just by defining them. A creed, also known as a confession of faith, symbol or statement of faith. It's ultimately was invented for Christians and maybe for the Jews, but for our purposes, just assume the gods or God you may or may not worship. Caste is a form of social stratification characterized by marrying within their own social group. It is hereditary transmission of a style of life which often includes things like occupation, status, inside a hierarchy, customary social interaction, and exclusions based on cultural notions of purity and pollution. The most famous or infamous of these systems is from India, but some form of casteism is practiced by multiple cultures. That covers caste and creed. A class system is a society in which people are grouped into a set of hierarchical social categories, the most common being the upper class, the middle class, and the lower classes. Membership in these social classes can, for example, be dependent on things like education, wealth, occupation, income, and belonging to a particular subculture or social network. Color. Color derives from the spectrum of light, i.e. distribution of light power versus wavelength power, interacting in the eye with the spatial sensitivities of the light receptors. In our case, we mean color of the human mammal skin. The skin, in case you are not aware, is a layer of usually soft, flexible outer tissue 
covering the body of a vertebrate animal with three main functions. Function one is protection, two, regulation, and three, sensation. Human skin colors range from the darkest brown to the lightest hues. Differences in skin color among individuals is caused by variation in pigmentation, which is the result of genetics, i.e. inherited from your parents, the exposure to the sun or both. Differences across population evolved through natural selection because of differences in the environment and it regulates the biochemical effects of ultraviolet radiation penetrating the skin. So what's a race? Races may be genetically distinct populations of individuals within the same species, or they may be defined in other ways, example, geographically or physiologically. Genetic isolation between races is not complete, but genetic differences may have accumulated over time. Creed and caste are sociological. They are mental structures, just like class. It's an ideology. Stuff like nationality and tribe are also just, you know, mental structures. However, color and race is biological. Skin pigmentations are physically visible. They are a biological phenomenon. A race, on the other hand, can be genetically distinct from one another. So there can be a biological and physical difference, but race is broader than skin pigmentation. The two sometimes get confused. How I like to think about it, though, and maybe you may want to consider, is that skin pigmentation is a subset of race. Well, what then is racism? Racism is the belief that groups of humans possess different behavioral traits corresponding to inherited attributes and it can be divided based on the superiority or inferiority of one race over another. In other words, it imposes a sociological mental structure on a biological and visual phenomenon. So it's like the terms I dismissed earlier, stuff like ideology, creed, class, nation, tribe, caste, etc., all of that stuff is a sociological sort of phenomenon. Those things exist only in our minds, but not in the physical world or the natural world. Yet humans apply those biological conditions, such as skin condition and pigmentation, and confuse it with those sociological ideas. To repeat, racism is the belief that groups of humans possess different behavioral traits corresponding to inherited attributes and can be divided based on the superiority or inferiority of one race over another. In other words, imposing a sociological mental structure on a biological and visual phenomenon. So, like the items I dismissed earlier, such as ideology, creed, nation, tribe, caste, class, all of that, that stuff is applied to the biological conditions of human differences. So you kind of mix the two and you confuse the two. That's why it is confusing. It may 
manifest itself in things like prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against other people because they are of a different race or ethnicity. In case you're wondering, ethnicity is a grouping of people who identify with each other on the basis of a shared attribute that distinguishes them from other groups. Simple. Those attributes can include things like common sets of traditions, ancestry, language, history, society, culture, nation, religion, or social treatment within their residing area. It's a gray area actually between tribe and race, but I'll say that some ethnic groups can be sort of distant enough that they are a, a, a racial group, such as Slavs who visually can be considered of white skin pigmentation, but they also could be considered a bunch of different ethnic groups or a different race even. In 19th century Europe, many scientists subscribed to the belief that the human population can be divided into races. Like all good scientists, before and after them, they observed the natural world, made observations, and came up with that hypothesis. The word racism is a noun describing the state of being a racist, i.e. subscribing to the belief that the human population can or should be classified into races with differential abilities and dispossessions which in turn may motivate a political ideology in which rights and privileges are differentially distributed based on racial categories. The popular use of the word racism is quite recent. The word came into widespread usage in the Western world in the 1930s, when it was used to describe the social and political ideology of Nazism, which treated race as a naturally given political unit. Most biologists, anthropologists, and sociologists reject a taxonomy of races in favor of a more specific and or empirically viable criteria such as geography, ethnicity, or a history of marrying into your own kind. It is commonly assumed that racism existed before the coinage of the word, but there is not a wide agreement on a single definition of what racism is and what it is not. So what I'm trying to ask and answer myself here is, even though the word racism was coined about 100 or so years ago, how old is racism as a human activity? Well, early modern humans is a term used to distinguish homo sapiens that are consistent with the range of human varieties seen in contemporary humans, i.e. you and I, from now extinct human species, i.e. you know, humans that are no longer around. The term Middle Paleolithic is intended to cover the time between the first emergence of Homo sapiens, roughly 300,000 years ago it is assumed, and the period held by some to mark the emergence of full behavioral modernity, roughly 50,000 or so years ago, around the time of the Upper Paleolithic. Among the oldest remains of Homo sapiens, aka humans, are those found at the Omar Kibish 1 archaeological site in southwestern Ethiopia, dating to about 233,000 to 196,000 years ago. 
The Floresbad site in South Africa, dating to about 259,000 years ago, and the Jebel site in Morocco, dated about 300,000 years ago. Humans, or Homo sapiens, are the most abundant and widespread species of primate, characterized by walking on two legs and large complex brains around. All modern humans are classified into the species Homo sapiens, a word coined by Swedish botanist and taxonomist Carl Linnaeus in his 18th century work Systema Naturae. The generic term homo is a learned 18th century deviation from the Latin homo, which refers to humans of either gender. The word human can refer to all members of the homo genus, although in practice usage is just for homo sapiens, the only species of human to survive. In theory, at least, that is. By that reckoning, you and I are technically sapiens. Although my own view and some newer research does show as much that sapiens ultimately mixed with other type of humans and it resulted in us today. The earliest record of Homo is the 2.8 million year old specimen LD351 from Ethiopia and the earliest named species are the Homo halibus and Homo rudolphinus, which evolved 2.3 million years ago. Homo erectus, the African variant is sometimes called Homo erecta, evolved 2 million years ago and was the first archaic human species to leave Africa and disperse across Eurasia. Homo erectus also was the first to evolve a characteristically human body plan. Nine human species walked the earth some 300,000 years ago. There is just one now. By 10,000 years ago, these other species were all gone, including the Neanderthals and the Homo erectus, among the others. The disappearance of these other species resembles a mass extinction event. But there's no obvious environmental catastrophe. No volcanic eruptions, no major climate change, no asteroid impact driving it. Instead, the extinction's timing suggests they were caused by the spread of a new species that's allegedly caused by the spread of a new species evolving about 260,000 to 350,000 years ago in southern Africa, the Homo sapiens. Well, you know, no one was there at the time, so it's all speculation. Maybe inbreeding was good enough to simply evolve from what we term sapiens, or people just evolved differently, or modern archaeologists are not getting to any additional data to find out exactly what happened. So, could be mass extinction event, but it seems more like a slow evolution from the different types of humans to one type of human. Or it could be that the scientific data is too slow to realize that humans just evolved into sapiens. We don't know for sure. None of us were there, and maybe we don't need to know. But what we do know is that many human breeds did coexist. Now imagine a world where multiple humans exist today. Today, would sapiens get beaten up or would they dominate? Can't know. Modern dogs have multiple breeds, and they can also interbreed. Maybe we'd live in peace and harmony. Maybe we wouldn't. What we do know is how various humans 
treat other humans, both of their own group and that of other groups. Let's assume that they, you know, Africans and they, Mongolians, are different breeds, such as different humans. In this semi-hypothetical scenario, there are both attempts to wipe out other human types as well as breed with other human types. In our modern case, it would be to wipe out other human races as well as to breed with other human races, both at the same time. My unscientific guess is that also what happened with the multiple human breeds back then, i.e. they tried to subjugate each other as well as interbreed, if modern animals can do that, my reckoning is that sapiens would do it too. So we would be in a world much like it is today, except other human species would be walking around. Someone who has lived in Beijing for generations will look different to someone who has lived in New Delhi for many generations. Indeed, the human in both these locations would have changed over generations as well. Anyhow, these two groups look very different, even today. Skin tone, eyes, hair, among other things, all shaped by diets, environments, and genetics. I hope you see where I'm going with this. We have a blueprint for human behavior. The sapiens, us, hasn't changed that much. When faced with other breeds of human, many minds fall into the intermingle category while other minds fall into the avoid that category. This is my best guess for why racism and by default its subset, including battles around skin pigmentation, actually occur. I think it's genetically injected into human DNA as part and parcel of biological differentness. The human breed is simply prone to fighting each other and socializing with one another, depending on the situation. So my argument, and this may be an unpopular one, is that like it or not, racism is in human nature. Conversely, so is interrace or interhuman breed cooperation. That too is human nature. To me, this explains how the sapiens came out on top. It explains why countries, ideologies, tribes, ethnic groups, races, and so on and so forth, they all, at the same time, attempt to both cooperate and destroy one another. Now I want to introduce you to the world of eugenics. Eugenics is a set of beliefs and practices that aims to improve the genetic quality of a human population. Historically, by excluding people and groups judged to be inferior or by promoting those judged to be superior. This idea, the idea of eugenics, came well before the word eugenics was invented. See, types of eugenic practices have existed for millennia. Some indigenous peoples of Brazil are known to have practiced killing their children had had physical abnormalities, Plato suggested applying the principles of selective breeding to humans even as far back as 400 BC. While eugenic principles have been practiced as early as ancient Greece, the contemporary history of eugenics 
began in the late 19th century, when a popular eugenics movement emerged in the United Kingdom and then spread to many countries, including the United States, Canada, Australia, and pretty much most European countries. Thus, many countries adopted eugenic policies intended to improve the quality of their population's genetic stock. Such programs included both positive measures, such as encouraging individuals deemed particularly fit to reproduce, and negative measures, such as marriage prohibitions and forced sterilizations of people deemed unfit for reproduction. Those deemed unfit to reproduce often included people with mental or physical disabilities, people who scored low in things like IQ tests, criminals, deviants, and members of disfavored minority groups. The eugenics movement became associated with Nazi Germany and the Holocaust, when the defense of many of the defendants at the Nuremberg trials of 1945 and 1946 attempted to justify their human rights abuses by claiming there was little difference between the Nazi eugenics program and the U.S. eugenics program. In the decades following World War II, with more emphasis on human rights, many countries began to abandon eugenics policies, although some Western countries, such as the U.S., Canada, and Sweden among them, continued to carry out forced sterilizations. Laws against interbreeding or breeding between different races was actually banned, or there was a huge movement against it, especially in the United States, and it made it a crime for individuals to wed someone categorized as belonging to a completely different race. A criticism of eugenics policies is that, regardless of whether negative or positive policies are used, they are susceptible to abuse because the genetic selection criteria are determined by whichever group has political power at the time. Now, there's something called scientific racism. Scientific racism, sometimes termed biological racism, is the pseudo-scientific belief that empirical evidence exists to support or justify actual racism, i.e. racial discrimination. So they believe in something called racial inferiority or racial superiority. At the end of World War II, in theory at least, scientific racism was formally denounced, especially in UNESCO's early anti-racist statement in a publication in 1950 called The Race Question. And it said, the biological fact of race and the myth of race should be distinguished. So the race question is the first of four UNESCO statements. By the way, if you don't know, UNESCO is part of the United Nations Organization. The race question is the first of four UNESCO statements about race, race issues. It was issued on the 18th of July, 1950, following World War II and Nazi racism to clarify what was scientifically known about race and as a moral condemnation of racism. It was revised and again revised and publicized in 1951, 1967, and 1978. And I'm going to quote directly from the UNESCO document now. So open quote. Concern for human dignity demands that all citizens be equal before the law and that they share equally in the advantages assured them by the law no matter what their physical or intellectual differences may be. The law sees each person only 
as a human being who has the right to the same consideration and to equal respect. The conscience of all mankind demand that this be true for all the peoples of the earth. It matters little, therefore, whether whether the diversity of men's gift be the result of biological or cultural factors. End quote. And that brings us to today, our today, your today. Were you aware that ethnic pygmy populations in Central Africa suffer from racialized discrimination from Bantu peoples? Pygmies and Bantus differ physically and genetically due to long-lasting evolutionary separation until the Bantu expansion brought them back into close contact. Pygmies have been targeted for slavery by Bantu populations continuing into the modern age today. They are frequently ostracized from participation into wider society in the various African countries, such as the Congo, that they live in and are seen as untouchables. According to Article 27B of the Liberian Constitution, Liberia is in Western Africa if you didn't know, Liberian nationality is limited to persons who are Negroes or of Negro descent. Only you cannot be a citizen if you are not Black African. In the Sudan, Black African captives in the Civil War were often enslaved and female prisoners were often abused sexually with their Arab captors claiming that Islamic law grants them such permission. The most prominent case of anti-Indian racism was the ethnic cleansing of the Indian Gujarati minority in Uganda in the 1960s by dictator Idi Amin. They were forced, those survivors, to leave the country. Most ended up in the UK. In 2015, the ruling Awami League member of parliament from Bangladesh, Elias Mola, commented on his trip to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and he said, and I quote, Our army has gone there to civilize those black people. I am sure they will accomplish the task. End quote. He constantly referred to the Congolese as, and I quote, uncivilized black people, and added, and I quote again, people there are yet to become civilized. They take bath every 15 days. After applying soaps before bath, they do not even use water in a bid to retain the aroma, end quote. How about this one? Cambodia. Cambodia has disproportionately targeted ethnic minority groups. These included ethnic Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, and foreigners who live in Cambodia. Part of this conflict stems from Chinese involvement in Cambodia before the Vietnam War. In the late 1960s, an estimated 425,000 ethnic Chinese lived in Cambodia. But by 1984, as a result of the Khmer Rouge's genocide and emigration, only about 61,000 Chinese remained in the country. The Cham, a Muslim minority group whose members are the descendants of migrants from the old state of Champa, were forced to adopt the Khmer people's language and customs, a kind of cultural genocide, if you will. A primeval system of racism was installed in India around 1500 BC or so, a system that prevailed and in some parts still prevails throughout the subcontinent and it has for millennia and it instills a negative perception of, one could say, otherness to different ethnic and social groups. 
a number of discriminatory laws against Chinese Indonesians were enacted by the government of Indonesia. In 1959, President Sukarno approved PP 10 1959 that forced Chinese Indonesians to close their businesses in rural areas and relocate into urban areas. Moreover, political pressures in the 1970s and 1980s restricted the role of Chinese Indonesians in politics, in academics, and even in the military. As late as August 2019, the United Nations Anti-Racism Panel found the Islamic Republic of Iran discriminating and practicing wide-scale racism against Arabs, Kurds, Baluch, and other ethnic minorities. Malaysia is a multi-ethnic country, with Malays making up the majority close to about 52% of the 28 to 30 million population. About 30% of the population are Chinese Malaysians, or Malaysians of Chinese descent. And Indian Malaysians, Malaysians of Indian descent, comprise about 10% of the population. Government policies of positive discrimination often favour the majority Malay population, particularly in areas such as housing, finance and education. Racist sentiments exist between the citizens of Pakistan towards the citizens of Bangladesh. A strong anti-Bengali Pakistani regime during the Bangladesh Liberation Wars was strongly motivated by anti-Bengali racism that exists within the establishment, especially against the Bengali Hindu minority. In the United States, European descent Americans particularly affluent white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, are said to have enjoyed advantages in matters of education, immigration, voting rights, citizenship, land acquisition, and criminal procedure. Before 1865, most African Americans were enslaved, and even afterwards, they have faced severe restrictions on their political, social, and economic freedoms. Native Americans have suffered genocide, forced removals, and massacres. The extent and the target of racist attitudes in the United Kingdom have varied over time. Racism was mitigated by the attitudes and norms of the British class system during the 19th century, in which race oddly mattered less than social distinction. A black African tribal chief was unquestionably superior to a white English coastermonger. Racially motivated attacks occur in Ukraine. While police and courts do little to intervene, the Council of Europe said in a report made public around February 2008, the report expressed concern that there were attacks against rabbis and Jewish students, as well as vandalism of synagogues, cemeteries, and cultural centers. In fact, other than this anti-Semitism, there were also attacks against the Romani community and violence in the Crimea. The Romani people have become the main target of Slovenian racists in the 21st century, as the population there is otherwise very homogenous. Historically, the most racial problems in Ireland stemmed from the colonization of the country by the British and the racist attitudes of the colonists to the native Irish. The English considered themselves to be a distinct race from the Irish who were classified as half-black by Thomas Huxley. 
descriptions of the Irish in the popular British press, press throughout the centuries of British colonization were noted for the portrayal of the Irish as subhuman. Today, there are more than 75 million people of African descent living in Brazil. However, despite its large black population, it was also officially the last country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish slavery. That was in 1888. Racism in modern China has been documented in numerous situations. Ethnic tensions have led to incidents in the country, such as the Xinjiang conflict and the alleged Uyghur cultural genocide. The 2010 Tibetan language protest, the 2020 Inner Mongolia protests, and anti-Western sentiment in China alongside discrimination against Africans and people of African descent are somewhat known and commonplace. All to say that I've highlighted racism in 15 countries all over the world. Central Africans like the Congolese pick on pygmies. Bangladeshis look down on the Central Africans, i.e. the Congolese. Pakistanis discriminate against the Bangladeshis or Bengalis. And the cycle goes on and on, round and round. Is it possible that we are all inherently racist? Only complaining when we are victims or our kind are victims. Is racism just a majority community versus minority community issue? Clearly, it's different in different places. Liberia has strictly racist undertones in its naturalization policies. The U.S. spends too much time focusing on black and white skin pigmentation. In my view, racism is embedded into our DNA, sort of like how the sapiens powered their way to the number one human position. That battle isn't over. Every locale, every community is in some kind of maneuver to let its race beat the other. The insanity of humanity also, at the same time, allows the human species to be racist and cooperative all at once. Confusing to state in words, but we all know internally in our guts how we would work that. These days, in Western countries, calling someone a racist is in itself the lowest of the low slur. In the U.S. education, mind-washing using something called critical race theory, or CRT, that in its of itself is racist, preaches about the nasty whites oppressing the blacks, not just in the past, but here in the now. When you see a white guy, what do you see? Do you see a Chinese woman? No, you see a white guy. And since our internal AI judges a book by its cover, even the best of intentioned amongst us shall build on immediate stereotypes. I assume we are all racist until someone buys me a beer and then of course they're not. In all seriousness, being a victim, being the victim of a racist is a big deal. It's horrid. It's a horrible feeling. But it's a fact of existence. It's been around humanity since humanity started. It isn't something that you can, and I'm air quoting, 
fight. You can't fight DNA. It's existing within you. What you can do, though, is not be nasty to someone else, which is just a basic human courtesy. And finally, you may be wondering, what race is the individual who is currently pumping this voice into your ear? Well, it doesn't really matter. You shouldn't care. I don't. All right. Well, until next time, thank you very much. <laughs>